an OH is the indicator that you have an alcohol when it's connected to the alkyl group. But instead of an OH, you could have an oxygen with a second alkyl group connected to it. So an ether is when you have an alkyl group with an oxygen in the middle and another alkyl group on the other side. Now, everything in these is tetrahedral sp3. The oxygen is tetrahedral bent because oxygen likes to have two lone pairs to make a formal charge of zero. Ethers are actually really good solvents a lot of times for chemical reactions in organic chemistry. Diethyl ether is a super important organic chemical and diethyl means two ethyls connected by an oxygen. That's what the ether is. Diethyl ether. Diethyl ether used to be a compound that you could go and buy at Fred Meyer's Home Depot, stuff like that. But now it's a controlled substance. Uh, people making meth and different compounds like that, uh, they restrict access to diethyl ether big time. So at Mount Hood, we have like a license. We're an educational research institution. So we can buy diethyl ether, but it's not usually available for just common use, which is kind of sad, kind of funny, kind of interesting, whatever you want to put down. Anyway, ethers, dialkyl ether. All right. So you could have dimethyl ether, which would be an oxygen with a methyl CH3 on both sides. You could have all different compounds as you go through. However, when I first started teaching organic chemistry in Chem 222 and I asked for feedback for people that went on to organic chemistry, they said, oh, Russell, you've got to start talking about the other way of naming ethers. And I was like, oh, cool, that's good. So in, if you ever run across something and you said, oh, Russell should have talked about this, uh, you should definitely let me know and I will try to change my lecture notes as I am right here. Um, so there's an alternative way for referring to ethers, which is definitely gaining more momentum than my old school way. And I'd like to show you both ways uh, so that you're good to go. Um, just like we saw with the halogen or the alkyl halides, you could call them iodomethane, stuff like that. Well, you can also call them uh, the ethers as an oxyalkane. So if you look at the compound in the first example, there is an ethyl group, CH3CH2 on the left, and there is a propyl group, CH2CH2CH3, on the right. So in the old days, uh, there was an ethyl group and a propyl group where the oxygen was connected to the first carbon. So in the old days, I would have called this ethyl 1-propyl ether. And in my chemistry 222 class, that's totally fine. However, there is a newer way of doing it, which has a lot of cool uses for it. You look at the shorter alkyl group. So ethyl is shorter than propyl, two carbons versus three carbons. The shorter name, you call it an oxy. So notice in the name it was ethyl minus YL plus oxy. Ethyl becomes ethoxy, and then the rest of it you call as if it was an alkane. So propyl becomes propane. So you could also call this crazy thing one ethoxy propane. The ethoxy group is off the first carbon of propane. You could move that ethoxy group to the second carbon, and you could have two ethoxy propane. So this is the newer way of referring to these molecules. 
And again, for Chem 222, either way is fine. I like you to listen to both of them so you get used to it. But in the real world, you might see this newer method more than the other way. Um, the second one has a methyl group, and then there's a three-carbon system uh, that the, alkyl, the ether is connected to. So the OCH3 is connected to the second carbon in a propane. So the OCH3 we would refer to as a methoxy group group, the shorter number of carbons, CH3 versus propyl. It's off the second carbon in what would be propane if it was just all hydrogen, but obviously it's not. So 2-methoxypropane would be the official name uh, using the newer systems. In the old days, I would have probably called this something like methyl 2-propyl ether. Um, honestly, I think the newer way is pretty cool, to be honest. I kind of like the 2-methoxy propane. It's a, I think it's a little bit nicer than methyl 2-propyl ether, but you know, whatever. I'm pretty fine, stuff like that. And remember, uh, down here, which is a coffee cup a student gave me a long time ago, it's kind of cool. You ether get organic chemistry or you don't. <laughs> ba -bum -bum. Ether, e ether. Okay. okay. Anyway, my bad sense of humor. All of the oxygens we've looked at so far have been tetrahedral sp3, uh, so they would be bent molecular geometries, stuff like that. But another common combination of oxygen with carbon is to create what's called a carbonyl group. And a carbonyl group, which has a carbon-oxygen double bond, is pretty handy. There's a lot of neat uses for carbonyls in compounds. And so the first example of a carbonyl chemistry compound we're going to look at here is called a ketone. And if you look at the structure in the lower right, the middle part has a carbon-oxygen double bond on it. All right, so this is now an sp2 hybridized carbon. It's got a double bond O and two single bonds, so this would be trigonal planar. All right, if you have a carbonyl between two alkyl groups, so here's alkyl group number one, alkyl group number two. In the picture, it's a CH3 on the left and a CH3 on the right. If you have alkyl groups to both the left and the right of the carbonyl, you have what's called a ketone. And the most famous and common of the ketones is the one that's in the picture right there. You have one, two, three carbons, which would be if it was an alkane propane, but it's not a propane. You take off the E and you add O-N-E to it, making it propanone. So propanone is a ketone. It has a C double bond O carbonyl in the middle of it, but we call it propanone because three carbons would be like propane. Oh boy. But again, you have to have alkyl groups on both sides of the carbonyl to be a ketone. Now, propanone is not a name that's probably familiar to you, and I totally understand. However, propanone has a much more common name, which is acetone. And in the face-to-face -face version of the labs for Chemistry 221 through Chem 223, every once in a while we use acetone as an agent to dry glassware. Acetone is good about dissolving water. Um, hardly anybody calls acetone propanone, again, except for nerdy chemists like me, and I also refer to water as 
there's dihydrogen monoxide, so this is my world. However, now you know that propanone and acetone are the same thing. So acetone is a chemical you can buy from Fred Meyer's Home Depot, stuff like that. It's good for taking off things like fingernail polish, uh, lots of cool uses for acetone, which is a technically propanone. A ketone had a carbonyl, a C double bondo, uh, which was connected to alkyl groups on both the left and the right side. So because the carbon is sp2 trigonal planar, you have two possible spots, if you will, to put something in, and ketones had alkyl groups on both sides. However, if you place at least one hydrogen next to the carbonyl, the reactivity changes drastically. So that's actually a whole separate family of compounds, which is called an aldehyde. And an aldehyde has the same carbonyl, the same C double bond O, but on one side you have at least one hydrogen. All right. You might have two hydrogens. You will you have to have one though to be an aldehyde. Aldehydes and ketones have the same formula, but the difference is is that that C double bond O has at least one hydrogen next to it. So you've got to be really careful about these. The reactivity is quite different. Um, the simplest of the aldehydes is methanol. If you have a C double bondo with hydrogens on both sides, and that's what the picture is there on the lower right, that is methanol. Methanol, the name comes from methane, which is a one carbon system, but because it's an aldehyde, it's given the symbol AL at the end. So methanol is the name of the aldehyde with one carbon. Eth Ethanol would be the name of the aldehyde with two carbons. You'd have a C double bondo with only one hydrogen and the other side of it would be a methyl group. But methanol is just one carbon. So be aware, aldehydes and ketones are very similar. Now, methanol is a chemical name that most people don't use. Most people refer to methanol as formaldehyde. Formaldehyde is used in the funeral services area quite a bit for different things, which I don't understand and don't know about. But anyway, it's some kind of preservative. Anyway, uh, formaldehyde has a lot of cool uses, I guess you can think about it that way. Um, anyway, it's quite a bit different than ketones. However, both aldehydes and ketones have that carbonyl, so just kind of be aware of it. So let's say we wanted to name this molecule right here. Like, what would you do? Well, again, it comes down to finding longest chain and stuff like that. But we also have to think now about the type of compound it is, because that's going to affect the name quite a bit. So if you count up the number of carbons, there's four. And the alkyl group for four carbons was butyl. So it's going to be but something. All right. And we've got that C double bond O right there. So C double bond O means it's going to be either a ketone or an aldehyde, all right? It's not going to be an alcohol. And if you look at the answers there, C and D are both O-L ending names, and that means they're both alcohols. It's not going to be those. Um, let's disqualify A as well. Butanoic acid is an example of what's called a carboxylic acid. We'll look at those in a little bit, but this we haven't done that yet. So it's not butanoic acid, needless to say. 
So really this question comes down to the fact, is it an aldehyde or is it a ketone? If it's an aldehyde, you would call the butane, turn it into an al, so butanal, answer B. If it's a ketone, then you take the butane and you add the O-N-E to the end, so butanone. And if you remember from what we just talked about, the aldehydes have an hydrogen next to the carbonyl, the C double bond O. This compound has methyl group on one side and an ethyl group on the other side, but there's no hydrogens right next to the carbonyl. So it's not an aldehyde. This is going to be a ketone. This is butanone. All right, it's a ketone. That C double bond O does not have a hydrogen to the left or the right. It's got alkyl groups. So that makes it a ketone, not a car, not an aldehyde. Oh joy. Alkynes are kind of like alkanes, but an alkyne has a triple bond. So if you have a triple bond, then somewhere in the molecule, you're going to have a lot different reactivity than if you had just single bonds. Alkynes are much more reactive than alkanes, so it's a good thing to know. The formula for alkynes, CnH, H2n minus 2, which is kind of a strange thing. So in the example right there, we have an example of a pentyne. Pentyne means five carbons, like pentyl. So CnN is five. Number of hydrogens, five times two minus eight, there's only going to be eight hydrogens in that formula. And if you look up, that's the case. The triple bond takes out a lot of the hydrogens. Remember, all of these compounds are carbon-based, so they're going to have four bonds total, no more. If some of the bonds are taken up by a triple bond, you kick out hydrogens, etc., etc., pretty good. It's two pentine because if you count left to right, one, two, three, four, five. So in this compound, you want to use smallest numbers possible. The two represents where the triple bond starts, and that's important. So two pentine. If you counted right to left, this would be one, two, three. You could also call this three pentine, but again, smallest number, longest chain, the big thing, two pentine is better. So you wouldn't use that numbering system. Ethyne is the simplest of the alkynes. Ethyne is two carbons because ethyl has two carbons. And if you have a triple bond between it, that makes HCCH, where there's a triple bond between the carbons. Ethyne's common name is acetylene. And acetylene torches are what they use for welding. Acetylene is basically an alkyne, a lot of energy in that triple bond that can be broken apart when you weld. An alkene is different than an alkyne. And I want to just put this on pause for a second. Alkanes were the simplest ones where all the carbons had just hydrogens around, no double bonds, triple bonds, oxygen, etc., etc. 
alkynes had a triple bond between them, so that was different. And this is an alkene. Alkenes have a double bond between them, all right? So there's alkanes, alkenes, and alkynes. And hopefully you can see now why the first term of organic chemistry, whoa, I was snowed in because I thought, oh, an alkane and an alkene are the same thing. No, they aren't. As I found out, my grade wasn't exactly the best for that class. But anyway, I digress. No reason to talk about the past, and you will be stronger now because you're hearing this. But anyway, alkenes have a double bond. And so because these are all carbons with four bonds total, each of those carbons can be connected to two other things. All right. Now, uh, if you look at this first example, there are one, two, three, four, five carbons. So uh, it would be pentane if it was an alkane, but this is not. It has a double bond, so it becomes pentene. The double bond starts between the second and third carbons, so two pentene would be fine. We'll talk about trans here in a little bit. However, just like with the alcohols, there is a move to, instead of calling it a two pentene, people are now referring it more and more as pent to in and again there's some real good reasons why this is the case i would be happy if you called this trans to pentene but i'm trying to adjust my notes as much as possible to the newer way so trans pent to in would be really cool so anyway, two ways to name, one way is winning at the other one. Now, the structure that's rotating down there, the double bond you can see is kind of in the middle. And notice how the two hydrogens on the opposite sides of the double bond, like one is up and one is down. And that has to do with the trans part that's in front of it. So sometimes when you have an alkene, you're going to see different names there, which help the chemist to know what kind of a compound it is. It is. Let's go back to this question and think about which of the following could be an alkene. Now, the generic formula for an alkene, CnH2n. So anything in that list with n carbons and 2 times n hydrogens could be an alkene. So we've already been through a lot of these before, but if you look at that list, the first one and the second one have a CnH2n formula. So like for the first one, N is 2, so 2 times 2 would be 4 hydrogens. Number 2, 5 carbons, 2 times 5, 10 hydrogens. Both of those could be alkenes. So for an alkene, both answers 1 and 2 could be an alkene. Now, if you remember from earlier, we also saw that a cycloalkane could also has the generic formula CnH2n. Now, for c 2 H4, you can't make a cycloalkane. We talked about how you have to have at least three carbons to make the cycloalkane. However, it could be an alkene. You could have just a double bond between those two carbons and be good to go. If you had a formula, though, of C5H10, you really couldn't tell, right now anyway, if it was an alkene or a cycloalkane. C5H10 was that two pentene thing we saw earlier. All right. It could also be a cyclopentane. So as an organic chemist, you have to be careful. Sometimes you need more than just the formula to figure out exactly what it is. And that's something you'll see a lot in organic chemistry.
Let's go back to the cis and trans. In the picture I had earlier, it was transbutene or transbutene, pentene, excuse me, I think it was. No big deal. This is, these are butenes here. Um, trans and cis are very important for chemistry and in life in general, as we'll talk about in a little bit. Cis and trans happens when you have a double bond and two of the pieces on opposite carbons are the same. And this is a classic example because in two, sorry, in butene, you have the hydrogens, which are the same, and you also have on the opposite side, the methyl groups. So let me focus on the hydrogens here since I've circled them. In the cis form, the hydrogens are on opposite carbons, but the same side, all right? They're both, if you will, facing down. And if you rotated that thing 180, so the methyl groups are on the bottom and the hydrogen groups are on the top, then the hydrogens would both be on the top of the molecule. So opposite carbons, but same side. Trans means that those two things that are the same, opposite carbons and opposite sides. So notice how here the hydrogens are like opposite each other. And if you rotated at 90, the hydrogens would be top and bottom instead of bottom and top, but they'd still be opposite, right? So cis and trans, really important. And maybe you've heard about how trans fats are bad for you, all right? A trans fat has a double bond, and I believe they're hydrogens that are trans like that. And trans fats in our bodies don't gel as well with our bodies. They cause cancer. Cis fats apparently are better. So anyway, woohoo, trans fats, cis fats. But anyway, so do cis fats more than trans fats. Anyway, I digress. Cis and trans is really important. The reactivity of a cis is quite different usually than trans. Um, we talked about polarity in chapter seven. Uh, cis is going to be much more polar than trans. Um, the hydrogens are kind of polar pulling opposite directions from each other so they kind of cancel out. But in a cis form, you don't have anything canceling for polarity. So cis versions of alkenes are usually more polar than trans forms, so they can be quite different in their reactivity. So just realize that if you have a double bond and two things are the same on opposite carbons, you've got to include the cis and trans. If you don't, if you have three things that are the same or if everything's the same, then you don't have to worry about cis trans, but cis and trans will pop up quite a bit like we'll see. Cis and trans to turn a cis into a trans or a trans into a cis is very, very tough. It's a very high energy transition. So you don't usually see cis and trans going through isomerism, which means changing one into the other. It takes a lot of energy to break the double bond, rotate the molecule, and then reform the double bond. It's not impossible, but 240 kilojoules per mole is a lot of energy. You might be more likely to break apart other parts of the molecule before you broke the double bond. So we don't usually see cis going to trans and trans going to cis. There are some exceptions, but generally speaking, they're pretty permanent and stuck with each other.